Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Esper Studios Stories. Today on the show, I'm joined with Patty Leeshone, a ASD life coach who's got a lot to share with us about her son, herself, and her career as a life coach. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll catch you on the other side. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Please welcome my guest. Hello there. Hi, Reed. How you doing, Patty? I'm doing great. How are you doing so today? Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and let my, my audience know a little bit more about you, and we'll get started. Sure, absolutely. Um, so my name is Patty Lauschman, and my business is Thrive Autism Coaching, and I work as a coach to neuro neurodivergent people. Typically, my clients are on the autism spectrum. Many of them have ADHD, um, you know, basically different brain wiring that makes them really, really interesting people and also create some challenges to daily living. So, so what made you want to work with those people like me who have autism? So I have a son and actually today is his 14th birthday and my son, happy birthday to him. Yeah. Happy birthday. Um, and you know, he is absolutely my inspiration. He um, has had some really major challenges throughout his childhood. And, you know, it took my husband and I a while to figure out what was going on. We were, you know, going from doctor to doctor and therapist to therapist, and just no one was giving us anything that was helpful. We were contorting ourselves into the parenting style du jour based on whoever our primary therapist was at the time, and literally nothing worked. And my husband and I continued to exhaust ourselves, and my son continued to not thrive and in a way that, you know, became pretty scary at, at times. And then finally, we we ended up, you know, finding the right person who identified that he is autistic. We got the correct diagnosis, which then opened the door to, you know, therapies that were actually helpful. And it seemed like once we um, once we understood what was going on, you know, we we knew how to help him. And I dove into researching what it was all about. So I myself have ADHD. I was just actually recently diagnosed. Um, but when I started researching autism, I could really relate to a lot of the challenges that autistic people experience because I have experienced a lot of them myself. And once I kind of understood what was driving some of the things that we were seeing in my son, I was able to provide, you know, the right supports and the right interventions and, um, 
And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to say that my son is thriving today in ways that were absolutely unimaginable before the diagnosis. So um, that's, I mean, seeing that success is him, that success in him is really kind of what drives me as a coach, because I want to help other people thrive um, in the same ways that I've seen him thrive and take all of that knowledge, all of that experience that I have acquired um, and bring that, especially to adults, um, because I see adults on the autism spectrum as, um, you know, there's a lot of parents out there whose kids are getting diagnosed and the parents are like, huh, well, I was just like that when I was a kid. I wonder if I'm on the spectrum. And then they see their kids getting all this support and therapies and they're like, huh, wonder what's out there for me. And they find out there's basically nothing available um, except coaching. And so I, you know, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of the solution and I want to be part of helping people, um, you know, just really improve their, their quality of life. So it must've been like a light bulb going off on your, for you and your husband and for your son to realize, oh, wait, this explains his behaviorisms and the way he acts and everything else. Yeah. You know, it was a long process of getting diagnosed. It didn't happen overnight. You know, somebody suggested, you know, I think he might be on the spectrum. And I just thought, man, you're crazy. Like you've not even, it was a conversation with me with a, you know, description of what I was seeing that this therapist said, I think he might be on the spectrum. I was like, you've not even met him. Like, how can you say that? And, you know, I, at the time, I didn't know what I didn't know. I had met you know, as they say, one person with autism at that point. And, um, you know, I, you know, I knew my friend's son, I know my son, and I couldn't see what they had in common, right? Because you can't see what's going on neurologically, you can't see what's underneath what you're observing. And so I thought this guy was totally crazy. But he, you know, he kind of persisted. He said, I'm going to I'm going to have you talk with somebody. We did an hour long conversation. The guy was like, yeah, you know, I think he might be. He said kind of on the border, you know, according to this assessment. Um, But he sent us to like the tier two evaluation process. We had the same experience. The evaluator was like, yeah, you know, I think there's you know, there's something going on there. Um, I think we should do the full-blown assessment. So I had some time to kind of like get used to the idea. Uh, Not that I was opposed to that diagnosis in any way. It was just, I didn't see it because I didn't understand. Right. But once he got to the, you know, the full-blown assessment, I was like, these people are serious. Like they're seeing something that I don't see. And once I typed Asperger's, symptoms of Asperger's or signs of Asperger's in Google, I was just like, holy Toledo, like, <laughs> like, this is my son. This is, this is what we're seeing. And it was the first time I had a single explanation for an entire mm-hmm. constellation of symptoms, behaviors, experiences, um, that very elegantly brought it all together. And so when we did get that diagnosis, I was like, woohoo! Yeah. Okay. Now somebody understands my kid. Now, how do we help him? 
right? But getting that correct diagnosis was key because I think so many people, not just kids, but so many people, adults as well, get misdiagnosed sometimes several times before they end up with that correct diagnosis. And that's absolutely tragic. There are so many negative consequences that result from that. I mean, to relate to that story, I mean, I, my parents, when I was diagnosed, we knew nothing about autism. Autism didn't exist. Right. It was, oh, he's got a learning disability. Let's put him on something. Yeah. So for the longest time, I was on a medication. And then one day, my mother's um, cousin, who's a lawyer, who's a family lawyer, says to my mother, I think Reed's, got, Reed's showing signs of autism. And my mom's really? like, oh, really? How old my, were you? I had to be in my 20s. Oh, my gosh. And then my primary doctor said something like that. He noticed it. And then the funny thing is, fast forward to 2014 when I'm away at school and I'm home, I'm talking with a friend of mine and she goes, we're talking back and forth online and I, and I, we were friends for school. And she's like, can I ask you something personal? I'm like, sure. She's like, do you have autism? I'm like, what makes you say that? She's like, well, I work with younger kids, part of my psychological, part of my degree and who have autism and you have some of those symptoms. Wow. I'm like, wow. You to be wow. able to pick up on that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know what you're feeling, what you and your husband are going through, because my parents are going through that, because right. there are so many things that are going through your mind of why is he acting this way? Why? Why is he different than everybody else? Right. Yeah. Now, fast forward to about two years back. I came across a clinical trial for a medicine for autism. What? Through Facebook. It was supposed this medicine was supposed to help with communications. Okay. I signed up for it. I was going through it. Um I got tested officially when I was there. It was an hour long, it was a four-hour long test. My mom, they split me and my mother up. So they can have different views of from what my mom sees and from right. what I see. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're asking my mom questions about me and they're asking me questions. And there's yeah. a whole bunch of, can you tell the story? What's going on in this? What's going on here and there? And they say, yeah, you have autism. And then after that, it was, they put me out. I start taking the medicine once a day. And then it starts out as a blind trial. And then after a month, it goes into the full trial. And I get this, they give me the smartphone and on the smartphone, there's this app where one of the things I got to do is identify facial, uh, facial expressions and, and then a couple other games where this to see how my mind thinks just to see, but unfortunately the trial ended because they weren't getting the results, but they saw with me on the medicine, they saw huge improvements in the way my, I think I was more attentive and instead of just laid back and not being told to do something, I was more attentive and so right. and my family saw this in me and they right. loved it. Yeah. Okay. But out of it, I got a really good psych- a therapist who I rarely see once in a, once in the blue moons. 
Yeah. She put me on Adderall because we, there is no ADHD medicine. Right, right. That's why I was surprised when you said that. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I is, mean, is Adderall the medicine that was used in the trial? No, it was a, I forgot the name of it. It's, okay. Actually, if you go into my blog, it's okay. like one of the earlier posts I wrote about. And it's, I think it's still a Swiss company. Okay. So, yeah, my parents, ever since then, I mean, to get me on SSI was a whole big ordeal and everything else. And has that been helpful? My diagnosis, yes, because now people understand that if right. I say something, it's not coming from heart. It's more, I don't have that filter to stop what my mind's right. thinking and saying, this is wrong. Right. And how, how has getting diagnosed impacted you? It's made me see the world differently. In what way? It's opened my eyes more, I guess, to why, I mean, to why people, I mean, I'm more, I feel more for people. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, they say that we lack empathy, but the thing is, we don't, we just don't know how to show it because we always are wearing our emotions on our sleeves. Right. So that's why I'm pretty sure with your son, he can change his emotions on the drop of a hat. He can watch something sad on TV and break down crying and you can't figure out why. It's because his emotions are out there and he's feeling something more. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. When I hear people say that autistic people are not empathetic, it it actually makes me so angry because that is it's so wrong and so unfair. My son is one of the um, kindest, gentlest Mm -hmm. souls you've ever met who, and he feels things so deeply and he is so compassionate. He cares so much about what's happening to other people in, in ways that tear him up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to see as he grows that the slightest little story about somebody (laughs) local in your neighborhood or in your city, he's going to turn to you and say, that's that's not right or it shouldn't be yeah. happening yeah he is a great feel more yeah he feels more deeply and he has a great sense of social justice does he know what he wants to do when he grows when he gets old well we just had a talk about that last weekend um <laughs> You know, he's talked about being a dentist, um, but I think more recently he's really developed a passion for anything related to planes, airplanes, aerospace. Um, he so attends- found this special interest. Yeah, well, his his special interests have kind of, have gone through a couple of transitions as he's grown. So originally it was cars, like matchbox cars. We had literally over 300 matchbox cars in our house that he would, you know, line up 
in beautiful designs on the living room carpet. And then he went through a Thomas the Train phase for, <laughs> for a while. Um, but he, he, he kind of always stuck with cars. But then he got exposed to airplanes at a homeschool enrichment program he attends at the Aerospace Museum here in Denver. And he's all about planes now. He loves to build, design and build remote control planes. He loves to use... Um, simulators and simulate flying the planes. He just, he loves everything related to planes now. So he's saying, you know, maybe he wants to be a pilot. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where his interests go over the next several years. Anyway, let's get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Chicago. I was right. a I was a South Side girl, lived there till I was seven. And then my parents bought a house in the Northwest suburbs. So I, I lived in Bartlett and went to Elgin mm. High School. All right. So what motivates you, inspires you, and drives you? So I'm I'm a little bit competitive. <laughs> um, not just with other people, but with myself. And I want to be the best at whatever I do. So it, it, it doesn't mean I always get there, right? It doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I always get there, but, um, I am always trying to become better at whatever it is I'm doing, whether that's parenting or backpacking or working as an autism life skills coach. I am constantly looking for more training and experience and anything that makes me better at whatever it is I'm doing. All right. What is the best compliment you've ever received? So the best compliment, I, I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to answer your question in terms of the one that kind of like had the deepest impact on me. Um, so when I decided that I wanted to do this coaching, I, I didn't know if it was the right move. I didn't know if I could make it. I didn't know if I could make a difference. You know, whenever you take on something new, there's always those questions you know, is this going to work? Is it going to be successful? Is it going to be a wild failure? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and one evening, my son came into the room unprompted. You know, I was just sitting in my chair in the living room and my son came in to the room and he said, out of the blue, I'm really glad you're doing this autism coaching. You're going to help so many people. And I said, wow. oh, that is, that is so touching. And he said, well, it's not meant to be touching. It's just a fact. <laughs> Spoken like a true autistic kid. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of something you'd hear, like, if you ever watched the TV show Bones or something like she would say. I have not seen that. I do like a lot of different television shows. I just, I haven't seen that particular one. Bones is an older show. She, she's not autistic, but the way her mind thinks is only yeah. black and white and very scientific. So okay. everything she talks about and does is scientific and she only thinks black and white. Uh, she sounds like someone I might like. So it's I a might great show. She is an 
Oh, God, I forget what she was. She studies bones. They find bodies, and she goes over to bodies and tries to figure out what happened to that person. Wow. Great show. Oh, that sounds amazing. All right. What is your biggest failure, and what did you learn from it, from that experience? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. I would say the area of my life that I have felt like the biggest failure is my career. Um, you know, I, I have ADHD. I did not know until recently that I had ADHD. And when I got that diagnosis, I had to look back and kind of reprocess my whole life in light of this new filter. Right. And, um, in hindsight, to me, it's really obvious. And one of the areas I think it really impacted me was in my career. So I spent my 20s starting over and over and over. And I didn't just, you know, I would try something and I'd be like, nope, I don't want to do this. And then I would spend a whole bunch of time and money investing in doing another career. So I started out as a viola major. I was recruited to the University of Northern Colorado on a music scholarship. And three months into that, I was like, nope, I don't want to do this for a living. But I stuck it out for a year because I was on scholarship. And then I switched to chemistry and got a bachelor's in chemistry, had three jobs in three years, was bored out of my gourd. And now in, in hindsight, I know why that was so boring for me. So I, you know, I've done a whole bunch of different things in my career. And just every time I would just feel like such a failure, like, why can't I make this work? Like other people, they just, they get a job and then they stay there. And I kept switching jobs and switching careers and not finding a good fit until 2003, when I um, had an opportunity to work for myself. And it was really a matter of necessity. I couldn't find a job doing anything I'd previously trained to do. And I kind of had to make a go of it. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done, but it ended up being the best. And I've, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've, you know, I've worked for myself since 2003. Um, but there was a lot of uh, learning and failure that went into that that path to get there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give you somebody to look up on YouTube. She okay. is huge in the ADHD movement. Her name is Jessica McCade, and yeah. she goes by the name of How to ADHD. I love her stuff. She, I yeah, love she is her amazing. Stuff. I mean, yeah, she. I mean, she literally explained to when I was listening to some of the stuff she was talking about, explains why I can't keep, I can't just be happy with one thing. I get bored out of it because it doesn't stimulate me for a long period of time. Exactly. And it's like, I have all these things, all these puzzles, all these games, but I, I just can't keep doing it it's like yeah. she got me into bullet journaling for she started talking about bullet journaling i started doing that for a while and all of a sudden it just got pushed to the side and i totally forgot about it sounds like adhd reed yep and um <laughs> and then the other person you should look up is um dr ned hallowell i've been a fan of ned's for uh probably 15 years all right i have his books and um so my so when i got married i knew that my husband had adhd 
His ADHD looks really different than mine, though. Yes, it's That's like why, my, again, my friends has got it. I have got it. He's more severe than me. He can't hold focus longer than 15 minutes, and he can't get on medication because of the fact he's got POTS. Okay, yeah. So now he yeah. can't hold, he can't get a job because anything that requires focus, he can't do. He can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. That's that's really tough. Yeah, but so yeah. you're so you're both somewhere on that spectrum somewhere. You're more higher, he's more lower, or the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. It just it impacts us very, very, very differently. Um, for me, it has not as much affected my executive functioning skills. So I, you know, I do I perform most of the executive functioning for the entire household because that's just a stronger <laughs> skill for me. Um, you know, for example, he handles anything that is on a regular schedule. So for example, making dinner happens every day at the same time, right? So he plans, he shops, he cooks. Um, I do most of the cleaning afterward. Um, he takes our son to the dentist because that happens on a schedule in advance every six months. I handle the stuff that's irregular and unpredictable. So I handle our son's therapies and scheduling and, you know, making sure that he's in the right place at the right time. And I think ahead, what does he need in order to get ready for school? So I, I handle that part of the household. He handles the stuff that's more regular and that's, that's worked out well for us. He can't handle being off schedule. He just, it sends him to the moon in a really bad way. He does not like unexpected changes. That could be OCD. It could be. To a degree. I, you know, I think there may be a touch of that going on. Uh, Yeah, I have OCD as well. I mean, I'm, I have ASD, ADHD, OCD, and I'm also dyslexic. Oh yeah. See you, our whole household looks just like you (laughs) (laughs) between, between the three of us, we've got everything going on. We've got the ASD, ADHD, ODD, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, (laughs) OCD, like, yeah, we've got a whole neurodivergent household here, Reed. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. Tell me about three influential people in your life and how they impacted you. Yeah, great question. Um, so my my husband has been um, one of the best things that ever happened to me. He's taught me so much about how to be happy in life. He taught me to slow down, smell the roses. Um, don't overcommit your time. I've learned so many lessons from him that have resulted in, you know, my, my quality of life being so much better. Um, I think the most profound impact has been my son. You know, my (laughs) parenting is, you know, it's great for personal growth. He has, he has taught me more than any single person out there in, in the best possible way. Like I am, I am a much better person for having known my son and parented my son. He's, he's totally amazing. And I, sometimes I get a little bit emotional talking about him. It's okay. Um, yeah, okay. he's, he's incredible. Um, 
you know, and then, and then I would say my mom, my mom as well. Like, um, you know, I know I was a really difficult, (laughs) difficult child to raise. And, um, you know, she let me be me. She let me be myself and always supported my cockamamie plans and (laughs) signed me up for lessons and, um, drove me across town to, you know, all these activities that I wanted to try and then would soon abandon. (laughs) Well, I mean, you'll learn that you, you're going to become your kid's biggest cheerleader. Oh, I am. (laughs) Every accomplishment he makes, you're going to be there at his side, cheering him on, letting him know how proud of you, proud of him you are. Yeah. 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 That's the parent's job. Well, absolutely. You know, I mentioned today's his birthday and while he was still sleeping this morning, I ran out to the store and I bought like 14 or 15 helium balloons, you know, those Mylar balloons that say Mm -hmm. happy birthday on them. And (laughs) there's 15 Mylar balloons (laughs) all over our house right now because we're going to have a small get together tonight to celebrate. And he's come to me twice this morning and said, Mommy, thank you so much for the balloons. It really makes me feel like you care. Uh, <laughs> like, how sweet is that? Like, I didn't do it because I thought he would come and express appreciation for it. But, oh, my gosh. And he didn't just do it once. He did it twice. So far, it's only, what, quarter to two in the afternoon. <laughs> I mean, my mom does the same thing for me. I mean, I'll wake up and I'll find a, a, a balloon and a card for my birthday. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He had a card on his desk and, uh, and, and balloons all all over the house. All right. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? So I think I have two answers for this. So when I'm alone, I feel most inspired when I'm out backpacking in nature. I just, I love backpacking. I love the freedom of backpacking. I like that feeling of empowerment that everything I need is right there with me. I have everything I need to survive right there within me or on my back and being out in nature and getting to see sites that most people don't get to see because they can't or won't, you know, take the the trek out into the wilderness to the places that I go. Um, that that makes me feel really inspired. Um, places that I feel inspired with other are um, obviously watching my son succeed at things that. I could not imagine him succeeding at. Like I couldn't connect the dots between where he was and where he, you know, suddenly has these big breakthroughs. So that, that one's obvious. That one's an easy answer. But I also feel this huge sense of inspiration working with my clients when, when they have an aha moment where they're like, oh, I, you know what? I didn't even consider that where I can provide some sort of insight or they come back the next week and are like, yeah, that worked. Like I've been, you know, I've been working on this for a while and, and, and I did it. Like, I didn't think I could do it, but I did it. Um, being part of that really makes me feel inspired. All right. What makes you feel 
answer this question. I am at my best when. <laughs> when I've had enough sleep. <laughs> I'm a lifelong insomniac. (laughs) So, um, you know, the days that I've had enough sleep and the days I haven't had enough sleep, you you can tell. (laughs) You can tell. If you can turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her about where you are now in life? That's a really good question, Um, because where I am today and where I was at 18, I I wanted the things that I have right now. Like I I am at a place in my life where I have what I want, you know, and they say happiness is not getting what you want, but it's wanting what you have. And and I, I feel like I'm there. But when I was 18, I just didn't know. If I was going to get there. So I would tell my 18 year old self, you know, hang in there. It's going to get so much better. Um, And then I might also, you know, knowing what I know today, I might also say also, and by the way, no one knows this, but you have ADHD and it's impacting your life in profound ways, but you'll figure that out eventually. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Yeah, that's that's a big question. Um, you know, I mentioned that my son is thriving now in ways that were unimaginable five years ago. And one, you know, we tried a lot of different therapies once we knew he was autistic. And there were two that really, really were transformative. You know, we tried some things that just didn't work. Like occupational therapy is, you know, something that I've heard from a lot of other um, autistic families was, you know, something that was really helpful for, for my son. I, we tried it twice and really he got nothing out of it that I could see. And he, he would agree with that. Um, but for him, we did two that were particularly helpful. One was a social skills class through the local children's hospital. I think he got a lot of benefit out of that. But if I could only pick one, uh, one therapy that I thought was the most transformative for him, I would pick ABA therapy. And I know that's a really controversial topic in the community. And that makes me really sad. And the the reason is because, you know, it's, it's very complicated. You know, this is, it's not a black and white issue. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, we, I think we were really lucky in a lot of ways. We got the right agency, the right therapist, you know, they, we worked with three different therapists during our tenure and two of them, just really weren't that effective. And one of them was absolutely off the charts amazing. And I credit him with a big reason that my son is thriving the way he is. Tommy totally changed my son's trajectory of life. Um, And, you know, I, I can't, as a parent, it's hard for me to go out there with a billboard and say, you know, ABA therapy uh, changed my son's life because you know, I'm often shut down um, by people who felt like it was abusive. Not just, I mean, they experienced it as abusive, right? They, I, 
you know, I have no argument that it was abusive for them. That's how they experienced it. And that's horrible and tragic and absolutely should never, ever, ever have happened. It should not happen again today. But when I hear people talking about how ABA should be banned or, you know, it's all abusive, that really hurts my heart because if we had not had access to that therapy, my son would not be where he is today. And I can't wait for him to gain his voice and have a voice in this discussion as someone who has actually experienced ABA therapy. And, you know, he told me a year after he graduated, he said, just out of the blue, he's like, you know, I wish I could do ABA therapy again. It was really fun to have someone to do those preferred activities with. And, you know, and, and that's, that's what it was like for him. He was, you know, from my perspective, it looked like play. It was like, I was paying a therapist to come play games with him, come watch him play video games. Come, I was like, what am I paying for? You know? And, and it wasn't, it wasn't all super fun because there was, you know, there was some, some personal growth involved. He was learning some daily living skills that he needed to learn to thrive. You know, toothbrushing was a big issue that we worked on. You got to brush your teeth. You know, you got to you got to take care of your body and your health. And I had complete been completely unable to to help him with that. But we worked on it in ABA therapy and now he brushes his teeth and he, you know, every every six months he comes back with a good report. He has no cavities. So, um yeah, the, the thought that other parents are not considering something that was the single most transformative thing for my son really, really hurts my heart because, you know, every kid should have access to what is most helpful for them. So rather than um, all ABA is child abuse, I would prefer to see more of a conversation about what what was abusive and how to avoid how to avoid that so there's there's my public service announcement (laughs) i mean i know a lot of people are against it i mean i've talked with somebody who thinks if they're gonna do aba it should be done when the child is younger instead of when they're older because then they can grow on it yeah younger is is definitely better. They can change the trajectory much earlier. Unfortunately, my son didn't get a diagnosis until eight and a half. So he was nine when we did ABA therapy, you know, and, you know, and I also want to say it it doesn't work for every kid. Every kid is different and every therapist is different. So I have a, I have a friend who has triplets who were all diagnosed with autism. And she said two of them benefited one kid did not benefit and same family, same, same, you know, similar genes, same home and environment, same I age. Think it, it, you know, and it doesn't work for every kid. I think it all depends on where you are on that spectrum, because if you are somewhere on the spectrum that you're down lower and you have no executive dysfunction, then ABA is not going to work for you because you don't have a concept of a lot of things and you can't do a lot of things on your own. Whereas you're more higher up on the spectrum, your mind can register 
oh, if I do this and I keep doing this, I it becomes a repeated behavior to the point where you learn it. You you may be onto something, Reed. I don't know. I all I can say for certain is that it was positively transformative for my son. And I, you know, I know we got lucky in a lot of ways. We got the right therapist. Um, they really understood my kid. They personalized his therapy program for him. They talked with me about what they were looking to do and why they were doing it. He learned a whole bunch of skills that he didn't previously have that reduced his frustration a lot. Yeah, I mean, my therapist, we, my mom and I were talking and we asked what we talked with them and the um, autism people. And we're like, what we, what are we going to do after I get off this medicine or the trial end? And they're like, well, what's going to happen is hopefully you'll have what's called learned behaviors. Everything you've done when you are on the medicine, hopefully right. your mind mm-hmm. becomes, becomes a muscle memory and you keep repeating that. Right. Yeah. So I've heard the phrase pills don't make skills. Mm-hmm. So the pills, I, I, my understanding is are designed to enable you to access the, the lessons or the, you know, the skill building. Um, and then when the medicine goes away, ideally, you're still able to continue doing that. I don't know if that actually works. I'm not on medication. Um but yeah, I, I, you can't just put someone on medication and then expect it magically to solve all their problems. There has to be this skill building component. And hopefully that's retained once the medicine goes away. All right. What do you think the world will look like in five years? I try hard not to think about that, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I try really hard not to think about it. Right. What was your favorite subject in school? So definitely orchestra. So I was an orc dork. I played viola from fourth grade on. And um, as I mentioned earlier, was recruited to the University of Northern Colorado on a music scholarship. Didn't stick it out. Didn't stick it out as a major. I did it for a year. And then um, I was able to get some professional orchestra playing jobs that helped me pay for school. Um, but orchestra was my favorite. And then after that, it would definitely be science. I'm, I'm a, math, a math and science girl. All right. Are you introverted or extroverted? So I am solidly on the border. I've had the Myers-Briggs test three times and I always end up right on the border between introvert, extrovert. So sometimes I look introverted and sometimes I look extroverted. That's funny because that's that you brought that up because I've taken the test. And I come up as, um, I think it's the performer. Tell me more about that. What, what does that the performer mean? is basically because I, what, what Jacqueline and my life coach and everyone else would say is I'm a very rare autistic. I am extroverted. I enjoy going out. I enjoy talking to people, even though when I get back home, I feel burned out. I thrive off of talking to people because it's what gives me my energy. That's awesome. I mean, yes. I mean, I've only had one burnout or I've had one meltdown in my entire life. And that was when I left for school because 
the airport wasn't being forthcoming and wasn't being kind enough and wouldn't let both parents come to the gate with me because of security reasons. I, I am the one who usually gets all my friends together. I am the one who always likes to go out, likes to do things, likes to be active. But I'm also the one who can say, hey, I just want to stay home and chill. Yeah. Yeah. So you may be on the border as well. I can spend time around people. I love spending time around people, but I can only do it for so long. And then I have to come home and to recharge my batteries alone. I have to be alone to recharge my batteries. And my whole life is kind of this (laughs) vacillation between spending time with people and then recharging my batteries. And I don't want to be in just one place or the other. I would be really miserable that way. So that's, that's what it looks like for me. And it sounds like you may have some of that trait yourself. All right. If you could be remembered from one thing, what would it be and why? Yeah, so I had a conversation with some some people last week and I we were t- talking about what we want on our gravestones, like n- maybe not literally, but like what do we want to be remembered for? And um, mine is that I want people to say, wow, that Patty, she helped so many people when she was here. Like she, she made the world a better place. All right. So why don't you tell me a little about where you are now in your life? I honestly, I'm in an amazing place. Um, Career wise, I couldn't be happier about the work I'm doing. I feel like, uh, you know, to use the term masking, I, I feel like in many of my past jobs, I've had to do quite a bit of masking, mostly because I was working in jobs that weren't in sync with my value system. So I kind of had to put my values aside in order to be successful in those jobs or those careers. And now what I do is so perfectly aligned with what I value in life. Um, Parenting, I could not be in a better place. My son is thriving and that makes my heart sing. It's, you know, the most that any parent could wish for. And I'm not saying that things are easy when I say that. He's, you know, going into high school this fall and he is very anxious Mm -hmm. about that. Very, very anxious. But I feel like I know how to support him. And um, he's also homeschooled. So I have total control over his educational program and, you know, we've done hard things before and he will get through it and we will get through it. And I know that. Right. Um, And uh, I'm married to a wonderful guy. So life is good. All right. Now we get to the part of the show. Everyone wants to hear the questions. (laughs) What is your favorite word? Thrive. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? You know, I, I don't really have one except maybe the word myriad, only because it's used grammatically and correctly quite often. And it drives okay. me nuts every time I hear it. <laughs> okay. What turned you on creativity, spiritually and emotionally? I would say being in nature. Being in nature. All right. What turned you off? 
Uh, I like this one. Um, a sense of entitlement. So being around people with a sense of entitlement or superiority or discrimination in any form. All right. What is your favorite cuss word? Can I really say that on your show? Yes, you can. Anything? Anything goes. Okay. It's fuck. Okay. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? My favorite sound, the one I crave, and I actually have a I have a noise machine, a white noise machine that gives me the sound. In fact, it's on right now. Um, it's a sense of a creek running next mm. to my tent when I'm out backpacking. Right. I always what, try to camp next to a creek. Right. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, fingernails on the chalkboard or whining. All right. What's your favorite color? Purple. I'm going to throw in a question that I didn't give you. What do you okay. think your favorite color says about you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Reed. Okay. What do you think it says? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite color? Probably brown or orange. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Nothing, nothing. Um, and I've tried many, <laughs> but what I'm definitely where I want to be. <laughs> all right, what profession would you like to do? Would I like to do? Yes. Other oh. than your own. Oh, nothing. I would like to do nothing other than what I'm doing. I'm definitely right. where I want to be. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, I think it would be confirmation that I achieved my mission of making the world a better place while I was here. All right. When you arrive, who would you like to meet? Uh, can I give you two answers? Sure. <laughs> um, Abraham Lincoln is one of them, probably because I grew up in Illinois and um, his his work on civil rights I admire and uh yeah I think he was an interesting character and Ronnie James Dio although I have already met Ronnie James Dio once he is the lead singer of uh, Black Sabbath and also had his own band for a number of years but I'm a huge Ronnie James Dio fan what books do you recommend my audience read you know I actually have a list on my website um I would say, I, you know, it's hard to pick just one, <laughs> it's, but I would recommend that your readers go to my website and look at my recommended reading list. Okay. And finally, where can people find you on the web? So I created a, a page just for your listeners. It's a secret page on my website. It's at thriveautismcoaching.com forward slash micro. And what they'll find there is a special offer I created just for your listeners. And what I'm offering is a free, no strings attached micro coaching session where they can bring one issue that they're working on that, you know, maybe they're, they're feeling stuck or, you know, they just can't make progress on. And I will, my goal in this session will be to help them walk away with one insight that helps them move forward. And that is it, folks. That is Patty Meekham, Thrive Autism Coach. Thank you, Patty, so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Reed. It's It's been an honor to be part of your show. And I'll see you guys in the next one.
just the way things used to be I'm no big fan of now I must have some sweeter memories Somewhere in the cloud Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Shout Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Shout Gonna miss all you used to be Gonna miss all you had Consigned to the dustbins of history Like opinions from your dead Talk to the freaks. You can talk to just about anybody you happen to meet. It ain't what it was, and it is what it is. Time. 